0: On Aircheck Episode One, The Pilot, you'll hear from some of Rock's greatest. Greg Allman, Peter Frampton, Sammy Hagar, David Lee Roth, Slash, Peter Wolf, Ted Nugent, Brett Michaels, Clarence Clemens, The Outlaws. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to Aircheck, the podcast with some of the best radio stories, interviews, and promotion tales from some of the best in the biz, as hosted by two of the. Well. Let's just say they're in the biz. From Philadelphia, Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly.
2: Hi, I'm Rich DeSisto. And I'm Paul Kelly. And... You know, Rich, this is not the first time you and I have been on mic together. Checking in right now with the rock and roll Tonto. He's uh, taking the ZXL Rolling Rock bus tour tonight, and he's on the line from C. Isle. Yo, Tonto. Hey, Paul, we're
3: getting ready to hit the town tonight
2: and have a little fun.
3: We're doing the Rolling Rock, Rock the Jersey Shore uh, bar tour. are going to hit the first 11 bars that are listed on the back of the T-shirt. Now, if you're not familiar with the T-shirt because you haven't bought one yet, well... Two strikes against you. One strike because you didn't buy one yet, and two because you don't know what's going on. So that's why I'm here to
0: fill you
4: in. 100.7 WZXL. So yeah,
0: we both worked at WZXL in Atlantic City, and I was referred to as the Rock and Roll Tonto.
2: And we're both getting mic time these days at a classic rocker here
0: in Philly. Other stops for me include Q104.3 New York, WISP Philly, WPST Trenton, WMGM Atlantic City, WAMX West Virginia, and a few other FM sticks here in Philly over the years. So, yeah, a pretty good run so far. Uh,
2: The Wilkes-Barre-Scranton market is where I made my home as Mad Dog on Rock 107 and also did some time in Poughkeepsie, New York at WPDH,
0: Hudson Valley's home of rock and roll. Wait a minute, Paul. Mad Dog? What was that all about? Well, it's better than the rock and roll (laughs) Tonto. How did that nickname happen?
2: Uh, Came from a great party. Where else? (laughs) <laughs> Went to this Mad Dog party in college, endless bottles and flavors of Mad Dog 2020 being chugged. And uh, we all wore headbands with Mad Dog printed across the front. I uh, I kept wearing mine for about a week afterwards uh, because it was, well, you know, such a great party. And uh, it took me about that long to sober up, too. So it was a name that I, I don't know, achieved, earned. call it what you will Uh, five years later i'm hired to do mornings on a radio station in upstate pennsylvania and the general manager asked do you have a nickname to go on the air with i said how about mad dog he rolls his eyes mad dog mornings on the mountain station name at the time he said uh let's go with it
0: nice Okay, Tonto, your turn. (laughs) This will be easy. Uh, So because of my Italian complexion, every summer I can get a really good tan as opposed to Mad Dog's Irish skin. And back in those early ZXL days at the Jersey Shore, I was always on the beach. I still love going to the beach. So you combine my copper undertone with my then long shoulder length black curly hair. And then you add my need to know everything and anything about the world of rock for my radio shows. You know, to be kind of a rock and roll encyclopedia. That was the perfect criteria for a one-morning show host with tons of sarcastic bravado, Mike Ondeko, to coin a phrase. The rock and roll tanto. I was doing middays at the time, and I remember the first time he introduced me, he said, the rock and roll tanto is coming up next. So I, I kind of looked at him, and then other people started calling me that. Listeners started calling me that. Uh, it ended up being on a promo and then next thing you know, I'm calling myself that. So it pretty much stuck. It could have been worse. Yeah. For both of us. You know, uh, as I, as I look back on my career, Paul, uh, one of my first interviews, my prized possessions, I got an opportunity to interview the late great Greg Allman. Man, that was awesome. Where was that? Backstage, Taj Mahal, Atlantic City, 1991, Seven Turns Tour. How did that go down? Oh, it was great. The Almonds had just gotten back together after a 10-year breakup. It was the debut of Warren Haynes and the band. So this tour was a pretty big deal. And I managed to get the interview in person before the show. Uh, we were in this room. It was almost like a uh, a tech room. So there was a bunch of people in the room with us. The manager, the record rep, a few of the crew And there I was with my notes, one of those old analog Marantz recorders, and a set of bulky headphones. I was nervous as hell. Now, the audio has been on reel-to-reel for about 30 years, so it's a little rough.
5: During the uh, decade of the 80s, was a time of evolution of different kind of music, you know, we uh, had gotten back together again, you know, in uh, 79, and it it lasted to like... uh, January 26, 1982. The pop thing moved in. You know, the funkadelic, uh, the, the drum machine, and everything of the early part of that. It wasn't a place for. We just weren't going to change. Now, now with uh, you know, ten years later, with the uh, coming of uh, classic rock and roll stations and uh, and the, the many different kinds of music out
0: there, just there's a the place for just about any. kind Criteria Studios is a familiar place for you. What was your reasoning for your return to Miami and producer Tom Dodd for the Seven
6: Turns LP?
5: Well, we we've cut many albums in there. We have uh, a while south. We mixed uh to more east. We did a peach there. We did Nine Rogues, uh, I did uh, I'm No Angel, and just before the just slot, and uh, before this record, uh, we decided about Dad, you know, and then after, while we were rehearsing in Nashville for the record, we uh, went and checked out many different studios, you know, and, and we just, uh, we checked out a lot of them, and, and that was me
0: after the interview i'll never forget this you know when you interview these guys or these girls you try to get them to do a station id or maybe a personal id and you type this stuff out word for word so they say it right the first time you know god forbid you ask them to do it again so greg looked at my copy and he quickly pointed out that i spelled his first name wrong here's my greg allman imitation
4: hey man you spelled my name wrong
0: I spelled Greg with one G. G G-R-E-G.
4: Hi, this is Greg Oman, and this
5: is South Jersey's Rock and Roll 100.7 WZXL.
0: One of my not-so-prized
2: possessions is my first live-in-studio interview at WZXL. I was there
0: that day in the next studio. Peter Frampton, right?
4: Hi, this is Peter Frampton, and you're listening to Paul Kelly on 100.7 WZXL Atlantic City, South Jersey's Rock and Roll.
2: Yep. I'm 22 years old, and I get to interview the iconic Peter Frampton on a Sunday afternoon in the summer before his show in Wildwood that night. And didn't
0: he almost walk out on you as the interview was starting?
2: 100.7 WZXL, Atlantic City, South Jersey's Concert Connection, and that being the title cut from Peter Frampton's 1977 release, I'm and you. Right. And that was a number 2 hit for you that year
4: number one how dare you (laughs) it's the only number one single i've ever had and you had to degrade me to a number two that's it we're out of here (laughs) that's it this is
1: south trucey's rock and roll 100.7 WZXL.
0: well i know you and i got a picture with him before he left
1: yeah
2: i think that was the only good thing about that afternoon for me paul
0: kelly's first and worst studio interview here's one from my not so good archives we just lost the great little Richard, right? Uh, he was going out on tour about two months after I spoke with Greg Allman back in the early 90s and playing in Atlantic City. Here is a clip from the better part of the discussion where I asked him about censorship, which was a big topic back then, and uh, his Grammy winnings or lack thereof. How
4: do you feel about the censorship in music that's good? Going- I think
5: that, uh, uh, regardless of who say what, whether it's good or bad, bad or good, where's writing, where's records, where's movies, where it's. Preaching, speaking, or whatever. Uh, if you, you may not like it. You don't have to buy it. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to uh, play it. You don't have to see it. But a person has a right to do it. Freedom of choice, freedom of thinking. That is the Constitution, the First Amendment. This is the land of the free, the home of the brave. And censorship equals di- dictatorship.
3: Seven of your recordings, seven of your 36 recordings went gold. Why do you think you, you,
0: you never got a Grammy for any of them?
5: I, I just think that they weren't ready to give me one at that time. I think they will come up with it now. And I'm ready, and I'm waiting.
0: Well, he never did win that Grammy, but he had one hell of a moment back in 1988 at the 30th Annual Grammy Awards.
5: And the best new artist is... me. <laughs> I have never received nothing. You already never gave me no Grammy. And I've been singing for years. I am the architect of rock and roll. They never gave me one. And I am the originator. And the winner is still me.
1: <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Aircheck. If you're a radio vet with a good story to tell about a promotion, interview, concert, or even the company Christmas party, email aircheckme at gmail.com to join Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly on Aircheck.
0: We're digging up some really good stuff on our first episode of Air Check.
1: Our pilot
2: episode, and the goal to hopefully make it mass appeal.
0: Yeah, it's for people that work or worked in radio, and people that didn't.
2: Think WKRP in Cincinnati, the TV show. Radio industry people loved it.
0: Yeah, but so did many non-radio people. Lonnie Anderson was pretty easy on the eyes.
2: It had camera shots of DJs in the studio, microphones, turntables, cart machines. What are they? I know, right? But... The show was well-written, entertaining,
0: likable characters. And you and I are supposed to be the likable characters here? Well, yeah, we hope so. With more stories and even some more audio that we dug up from those fun days of radio that we had.
2: Yeah, as well as other radio folk we will have on the show.
0: Here's another cool moment. When I was a programmer in West Virginia back in 97, Aerosmith came to Charleston on the Nine Lives Tour. Wait a minute. Where were you again? I was the program director in afternoons at X106.3 WAMX in Huntington, West Virginia, home of Marshall University. Uh, okay. That was where Randy Moss went to school, right? And Chad Pennington. What a great one-two punch for Marshall's thundering herd. Some great football games back then. So what happened with the Aerosmith show? It was great. We did the meet and greet before the show, took pictures, had conversation, autographs, the whole thing. Uh, but earlier in the week, Tom Hamilton had called me on the air to help promote the show. Good
3: afternoon, Tom. Good afternoon. You know, I read somewhere that
0: uh, there were like 15 songs that didn't make it to uh, Get a Grip. Has there been, uh, was there a lot of songs that you guys had to go through that you were really uh, picking and choosy of the ones that you really wanted to make the statement for, for Nine Lives this time around? Yeah,
7: I think we actually, on this record, had more viable um, extra material. You know, I think that if you say we had 15 extra songs for Get a Grip, yeah, if you count every riff that was in the can, but... <laughs> We probably had five, six, like, really viable good songs left over, and uh, on this one, we've probably got ten real good ones. So, we're kind of stacking them up here. I don't know what we're going to do with them. That's a- Do you uh, shed and stack them in there?
3: Do you every once in a while maybe throw one of those one or a few of them in
0: on the on the shows with the tours that you didn't get to the album get make it to the album? Do you surprise some of the fans with those or they?
7: Well, I don't know. It's um, you know we've got so much material to cover uh, going back to our first album that we try to play the ones that we know people are going to want to hear. We do dig obscure ones out, but um, generally they're ones that we have recorded and put out. You know, there's a certain amount of time you can play, and there's a certain number of songs you got to cover, and uh, so we. You take one out, or you put one in. A lot of times, you gotta pop one out. It's it's hard to figure out. Well, which one is gonna be on the bench tonight while we while we play a different one? So we go through it every night, though, because we do make changes. The Tri-State's number 1 rock station. X 106.3. Well,
0: we already know about Paul's first and worst interview. But, dude, I know you found your groove after that.
2: The Outlaws played South Jersey a lot, and I got to bring them on stage a few times. And in their rider, there was always one thing that was very specific that they had to have.
0: And just a quick FYI, riders refer to the little extras that a band receives from the promoter of a gig, usually but not always in their dressing room. Typical riders include things like food,
2: the Outlaws were a great in-the-studio interview. Brought all of their guitars, played three songs. And then
0: the writer question.
2: I hosted you guys two summers ago. The thing was, before you guys came on, you had to eat a whole watermelon. Do you guys still do that? Now, we're, now, how did that get started? <laughs> right. Now, wait a minute. We had to eat a whole watermelon. Where'd yeah, you hear that from? Yeah, well, I'm waiting to bring the band on. I said, oh, you got to wait. They have to eat a whole watermelon. That's one of them they...
4: southern things. <laughs> <laughs> we call it the sacrificial watermelon. That's we don't right. actually
8: eat it. We, oh, okay. are uh, <laughs> more of a ceremony.
4: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, actually, uh, our drummer, B.B., is a vegetarian, so that's all we feed him is watermelon.
2: Seed-spinning <laughs> <laughs> so contest
4: in the locker room. That's exactly right, yeah.
1: On. More to come in this episode of Air Check. Want to join in with some stories from your radio days? Email aircheckme at gmail.com to join Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly on AirCheck.
2: Some know, some don't, but 80s, 90s Rich DeSisto with the long, dark, curly hair was mistaken for Slash from Guns N' Roses more than once.
0: Yeah, maybe, but that long, dark, curly hair did come in handy back then. Speaking of Slash, right before Guns N' Roses released, Use Your Illusions 1 and 2, I think it was August of 91, uh, he called into the radio station uh, right before they were heading to the UK with Skid Row. He was great. We had a great conversation. He told me about his snakes, how he got the name Slash, and who he thought would have won the fight between Axel and Vince Neal. Where did the name Slash come from?
9: Um, It's actually pretty simple. A a friend of mine, he's an actor. Do you ever see Dick Tracy? There's a guy in the movie called Seymour Cassell, and he was Sam Ketchum. Anyway, um, when I was like 13 or 14, his son was my best friend, so I used to hang out up at his house all the time. Whenever I'd come over, he'd call me Slash. Be like, hey, Slash, what's happening? And I just stuck. Like all my friends started calling me that, and you know. It's just, I mean, my mom calls me that now
3: yeah. <laughs> the one thing that caught my attention was the Atlantic City fight between Vince Neil and Axel what's the deal with that? Is Axel oh,
9: that's, that's such a BS that whole situation I mean like me and Axel talked about it on the plane in between shows and we were like what are we going to do with this? it's like stupid and and Vince is stupid for having like, like tried to pull a publicity stunt like that as soon as Guns goes out in the road you know he has to pull something stupid like that i think duff saw him at a party and he looked a little paranoid i i have, I have a definite idea who would win though
2: <laughs> <laughs> and did you get him to record an id for the station okay
9: you there yeah i'm here
2: can you hear me
5: yeah
3: okay Ready? uh yeah well just you know do hi this is slash from guns and roses I know what to say. <laughs>
5: okay know how to do it.
3: okay well you know <laughs> go for it bud
9: all right Hey, this is Slash from Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to 100.7 South Jersey's Rock and Roll WZXL.
3: Want to do it one more time and try 100.7? Oh, yeah. I
9: don't know why I said that. That's all right. All right. Ready? Go ahead. Yeah, this is Slash from Guns N' Roses, and you're listening to 100.7 South Jersey's Rock and Roll WZXL.
2: All right, great. Thanks a lot. Cool, take care. On Slash's tour bus, I got to ask him about a Guns N' Roses reunion, and this was in August of 2000. Will we ever see a
9: Guns N' Roses combination on stage again? Um, I don't think so, not in the foreseeable future. I just saw Izzy. Um, well, my birthday was last month, so I saw Izzy at my birthday party. Which was a trip. Go yeah, no, thank you. No, no that was a trip because I hadn't seen him in a while, but I talked to him on the phone all the time. And we have played on each other's records, and we've written stuff together, and this and that and the other. But as far as guns is concerned, um, everybody wants to see that happen. But the thing is, is if you wanted to see guns happen, you'd have to see it in its, in its right state. Which means the original band members all wanting to do the same thing at the same time. And that's how we got together. Right now, it's nowhere close to that. Izzy's doing his thing. Duff is doing his thing. Steve's doing his thing. And I'm definitely doing my thing. And so, and I don't know what Axel's doing. So, you know, we'll just leave it at
5: that.
9: So...
2: We've had a lot of good times talking with these rock idols of ours. Hey, didn't you also talk to the big man,
0: Clarence Clemens of the E Street Band? Yeah, he was coming in for a show at Kitty's in North Wildwood. You know, it's amazing what you find when you're going through your stuff, right? As I'm searching for the audio for this episode, I came across a bunch of ticket stubs, including that Clarence Clemens show at Kitty's. That was an amazing show. I think they even played Jungle Land. So what did you guys talk about? How you doing? I understand you used to play football, right?
7: Yeah, I played a little football back in in the other lifetime.
0: You almost went pro,
2: isn't it? That right?
7: Yeah, I, I played semi-pro. I played the original New Jersey Generals down in Wall Township. And, uh, I, you know, I was really pursuing a, a football career, but uh, I, I guess God had other plans for me because I wound up with the saxophone that never ever put down. But uh, things worked out for the best, I
6: guess.
1: Air Check. Reviewing and remembering what happened on the air and off the air. College Radio. AM, FM, got a story to tell? Let us know. Email aircheckme at gmail.com to join Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly. Two Nimrods on Aircheck. I think it's safe to say that if we
0: didn't like what we were doing, we wouldn't be doing it. But like on WKRP in Cincinnati, lots goes into
2: the sounds that emanate from the radio speakers. It's a show, and there's planning involved, sometimes rehearsing the content before the mic even goes on.
0: Yeah, but the entertainment industry is a little different these days due to the coronavirus. Live sporting events are trying to find a way to
2: return. Will there even be new TV episodes to binge this fall or movies anytime soon? It's it's a very unfamiliar territory as we try to bridge the past with uh, the future.
0: Yeah, radio like a lot of industries are trying to find its groove. You uh, can't do live events. You can't do on-site promotions. You can't go to a live show. The backstage experience isn't happening. In-studio interviews all on the back burner.
2: And our thoughts do go out to all our radio friends who have been furloughed or lost their jobs due to this pandemic. Let's hope as the
0: new normal arrives, uh, so will the return of new opportunities. Yeah, amen to that. But the name of the game is still engagements, right? So come hell or high water, radio is and always will be engaging. It's just trying to find those new ways to adapt. I mean, corporate America has, right? Zoom meetings. Those are basically phoners. Radio invented that. Paul, you've done a few phone interviews in your time. Not all your encounters were in the flesh. Yeah, this one comes to mind.
5: Holy
3: rock and roll! Hi, this is Burt Ward Robin. You're rocking with Mad Dog on 97.9 The Mountain. Wowie Zoe!
2: I grew up a huge fan of the 60s Batman TV series. Burt Ward, who played Robin, Dick Grayson, uh, released a tell-all book in 1995. No show prep needed for me on this one. Did you ever tag Julie Newmar?
3: Well, Julie Newmar, of course, was a catwoman. Right. And I do have a very interesting anecdote in my book about Julie. It's called... A felonious feline shows her fur coat. Yeah, but to be honest with you, she was a she's a very large lady. She's like six foot three plus in her Catwoman heels. She's about six foot seven. So standing next to her, I came up to her waist.
2: Not that I'm complaining. You're right at the uh, proper position
3: then. Uh, Absolutely. (laughs) I mean, I'd have to stand on her kneecaps just to kiss her. Well, now, also, uh, it was very interesting when uh, Batgirl came in to our show in the third season, Yvonne Craig. I must tell you, the first day on that set in her tight-fitting for spandex outfit, I mean, we needed bath towels to wipe up the drool of all the crew members.
0: That doesn't sound like he tagged either of them. Holy strikeout, Batman. Rich, you and I went to a lot of shows together,
2: meeting the artists backstage. I mean, do you remember the Van Halen Balance Tour? That was an interesting
0: time for the band.
2: On the Balance Tour, you and I met Van Halen backstage at the Spectrum, right, right here in Philadelphia.
0: Do you remember the directive that we received before the meet and greet? <laughs> Van
2: Halen's manager walks in, addresses the room of DJs and contest winners.
0: Listen up, we don't have a lot of time here. The band will stand there. You're going to stand here. You'll be brought up one group at a time. Stand around them. Don't touch them. Don't shake Eddie Van Halen's hands. Very sensitive. Don't touch Alex. He's recovering from a neck injury. Blah, blah, blah.
2: So then Sammy Hagar, Michael Anthony, Alex, and Eddie Van Halen
0: are walked in. Yeah, Eddie extends his hands to everybody for handshakes. Sammy wraps his arms around everybody for pictures. Alex and Michael, both very cool. Band manager, ready to lose his mind. And this is before the concert.
2: It had to be at least 50 people in the room, and and they took the time with all of us. Yeah, they did. True pros, man. The best. On separate occasions, I got to ask David Lee Roth, And Sammy Hagar about each other. Do you feel that uh, Sammy Hagar finally caught up with your intellect when uh, he decided to walk away from the gang?
4: I don't know what Sam is doing, and I don't really care anymore. Just the same as with Van Halen. Without Roth in it, it's kind of... What? I don't pay any attention to that. (laughs) What did Sammy have to say?
2: Any uh, truth to the rumors that you and David Lee Roth are going to get together to do an album?
4: Listen, man, David Lee Roth, first of all, doesn't have a record deal. Second of all, I never met Dave. You know what I I don't even have anything against the guy, really, except for I just personally don't like his, his you know, persona or his star trip, you know? I don't dig it. And And other than that, I got nothing against him. Those early Van Halen records were great. I mean, you know, 1984, it's almost like a desert classic to me. I mean, I would stand up for him on that level.
0: You know, I ran into Sammy a a few years later at the Hard Rock Cafe in Atlantic City. They were holding a private, invite-only, grand opening party. And Sammy Hagar and the Wabaritas were there as the entertainment. And, you know, that was when uh, Sammy started his tequila, Mas Tequila. So what's
8: happening, man? You know, a lot. (laughs) Uh, Tequila's happening, rock and roll's happening, and... uh... I'm just having a good time, you know. I'm out here doing this um, Hard Rock thing because it's it's like a party. We're throwing a party, and the fans that win co- that win the tickets get to get in free. Nobody pays, and that's that's fine with me. I don't get paid either, but you know what? That's not what it's all about for me, man. It's this is this is good. I'm, I'm having a good time.
0: Where did uh, the whole idea of coming up with your own tequila take place? Where'd that um, come from?
8: Quite honestly, I built the Cabo Wabo ten years ago in in Mexico, in Cabo San Lucas, Baja, Mexico. I built the club as a tequila mezcal bar. I would go to uh, the town of Tequila over by Guadalajara, Mexico. There's a town called Tequila and that's where all tequila is made. And I would go around to all these little tiny factories and I'd taste all their tequilas. And I found one that I thought was just the best. And they actually didn't even have bottles. They put it in jugs. You, You came with a jug. You brought your own jug and they charged you by the leader you know and and so i used to take jugs and they'd send me barrels back to my club in cobbled and lucas and, and finally they made i made a bottle and the first bottle was porcelain some of the fans that have been down there know they used to buy it in a porcelain bottle and it's been at my club for seven years i think it's the best tequila in the world
0: <laughs> well i gotta try it sammy once again thanks for stopping by it's my a pleasure. pleasure looking forward to the show and good luck with the I
8: album and thank the tour all the fans for supporting this song man this song came out of the box stronger than any song i've ever had in history including van halen the first week and i gotta say thanks to everybody
1: AirCheck continues next. If you've ever worked in radio, you have plenty of stories to tell, and we want to hear them. Email aircheckme at gmail.com to join Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly on AirCheck.
2: Well, one from the loose cannon category was definitely Ted Nugent. Where was this? Uh, this was pre-show backstage back in 2000 at Montage Mountain in Scranton. Took a listener back worthy of meeting Ted Nugent. And this guy, he had a permit to carry a 9mm Glock. And Ted Nugent was really impressed by this. So Ted reaches into his back pocket and puts a 10-millimeter Glock in front of us. Then Ted says, make no mistake of never having enough ammo, and pulls out two clips from his other pocket. So at that point, we kind of snapped some pictures and got the hell out of there and went straight for the beer tent. I got a quick hunting <laughs> question for you. Sure, as big as hunting season is up here in the north, the northeast, the midwest, with deer and everything like that, I spent some time down in Florida this past year, and they tell me down there, gator season is like our deer season up here. Did you ever do any gator hunting? Uh-huh. I
4: have. I've killed some alligators with my bow and arrow. And uh, the meat's great, by the way. Plus, there's a little bit more danger. You know, a deer can stomp your ass if you're not careful, but uh, it's more likely that a gator will chew your ass. And I I like when I get my ass chewed once in a while. Ted Nugent,
0: jack of all trades, rock star, hunter, morning DJ. That's right. He was a morning DJ in his hometown of Detroit. I wonder if Ted would like to join us here and share some of his old Radio Day stories. Well,
2: you know he'd be packing a gun with him, no doubt, but uh, also a DJ, turned rocker, uh, back in the early days, Boston, Massachusetts, WBCN-FM, Peter Wolf of the Jake Isles Band. Yeah, I remember that. Also at Rock 107 in Scranton, he was in studio one afternoon, had him taking calls, and
6: Talking up songs. Well, I'm really glad you let me come up here because I used to be a DJ in Boston. I used to work from midnight to seven in the morning. That's and the best time, right? That's man. the best time because <laughs> that's when all the crazies are up there listening. And I used to have the Wolf of Goo for Mama sh- Tufa show. I used to start off like this: this Wolf of Goof for Mama Tufa, welcome to the little ladies of the night to keep from Alabama, keeping it all hit, all the ships out at sea, getting to it and getting right through it, going to have a little fun on the run, doing it to it and getting right through it. If it's in here, it, it's got to come out. That's what rock and roll is all about. Do you, do you take phone calls here? See if anybody's on the line. Rock 107, hello! It's Jeff from Scranton. Hey Jeff, you
5: coming down late? Oh, you bet you I am, brother. I seen you back in the freeze frame tour. Oh, yeah. You were fantabulous.
6: Oh, thanks. What do you like to do at a party, Jeff? I like to
5: jump and shout, brother.
6: Jump and shout. I bet something tells me you also like to probably raise a glass or two, huh?
5: Oh, once in a while.
6: Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for calling. We'll see you later. See you. What you going to be wearing tonight?
5: I'm going to be wearing my freeze-frame
6: tour shirt. Well, I'll be looking for that.
5: And I hope you can sign it for me later.
6: Okay. It would be my pleasure. Thank you, brother. Thank you for calling. Take later, care. dude. All right. So now I'm allowed to play records, Mad Dog, right? That's the deal. What okay. do you want to play? I well, let's see. Let's get a little partying going. Let's get this place rocking. This is Wolf of mamatuba. Mama Toova. Let's start it up.
1: Thanks for listening to this episode of Aircheck. If you're a radio vet with a good story to tell about a promotion, interview, concert, or even the company Christmas party, email aircheckme at gmail.com to join Rich DeSisto and Paul Kelly on Aircheck. The president is going to make his remarks to the country from the map room of the White House. He wants to talk. To you. Good
5: evening. Allow me to introduce myself. This afternoon in this room, from this chair, I testified before the Office of Independent Counsel and the grand jury. I deeply regret that. Lying, cheating, Indeed, I did have a relationship with Ms. Lewinsky that was not appropriate.
2: Fun with controversy. I mean, I always enjoyed the power of the production studio and letting creative license run wild. The old Mr. Shark interview concept was what I was going for here, except I was just using Bill Clinton's own audio. It practically wrote itself
0: yeah no shortage of controversy in the 90s paul oj simpson held those headlines for a long time do you remember at zxl when we set up the oj hotline for listeners to voice their reactions to the verdict
3: call 729 oj 100 that's 729-6500 and leave your verdict guilty innocent or hung jury Make sure to include your name and phone number. The list of names who choose the right verdict qualify to win a free month long lease of a white Ford Bronco. And keep listening to ZXL. We'll carry the verdict for you live so you can finally get away from that TV and go on with your life. 729-OJ100. Guilty, innocent, or hung jury. You decide. Good luck from 100.7 WZXL.
0: Uh, We did a free OJ weekend. We aired the calls, and we gave away free orange juice.
3: Voice your opinion. Call the ZXL OJ line, 729-OJ100. And keep listening to the free OJ weekend from the only radio station in South Jersey capable of turning a year-long trial into just another giveaway. 100.7 WZXL.
0: Hey, I also hit the production studio for a little more fun with controversy. OJ, I know you're only allowing us a few minutes of your time for this discussion, but now that you've been acquitted of double murder charges, in two words, how do you feel? I'm free! OJ, let's talk about the trial. There's been a lot of racial tension and division in this country resulting from the not guilty verdict. How do you feel about this country's reaction? Come on! Although you've declared your innocence from day 1, what was the first thing that went through your mind when you became the number 1 suspect? You better run. You better hide. One more question if you will, OJ. Will the Bills ever win the Super Bowl? I don't think so. 100.7 WZXL as long as we're talking about controversies in the 90s, that's when the sex videos started making the rounds. <laughs> making the rounds. Nice choice of words.
2: Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. Pamela Anderson and Brett Michaels. She's still on talking terms with Pam Lee.
4: Yeah, she's, very, uh, she's actually a very sweet person. And uh, yes, we talk and obviously we go to trial uh, in October. Everyone's kind of been up on that. Uh, trial we go to over the videotape and we're going to beat these guys. The two of us have been fighting them since 96.
2: Well let me get your straight heads up on this. You're not ashamed of being on video with her. It's just the fact that everybody gets to see you, right?
4: You make something for yourself in your private life. That's the reason it was done. It wasn't done to be distributed, you know, and these guys are such sleazeballs, you know, it's just, I just want to shut them down.
2: You make something for yourself in your private life. Who else were you going to show this thing to?
4: Well, you know, it was, it was for me and her to enjoy, and uh, and we thoroughly did. And then, unfortunately, got into the wrong hands of someone that worked for me and her, and, and we shut him down, and we did a good job of that. But, unfortunately, he'd already gotten it to these people. We absolutely enjoyed making it, but, you know, it was for us.
2: Do you still have a copy of it for yourself?
4: Uh, you know what? I'll make no comment on that. Okay.
2: Because <laughs> <How's that? laughs> I've been looking on eBay, man, and I just can't find one. So I thought, if anybody's got one, you've got to have a copy for me.
4: Yeah, but I can't. Uh, you know, that's like I said. I'd, I'd sort of be. Uh, I'd sort of be defeating my purpose if I was handing it out. You know what I mean?
2: But for a fellow Pennsylvanian, come on.
4: Well, we'll talk about that off the air. All
2: right, man. <laughs>
4: okay. Thanks so much I for checking in, Mad Dog. Afternoons on the home of rock and roll, the one and only Rock One O Seven. Hey.
0: That was fun. Yeah, the pilot episode in the books. This is Rich DeSisto. We hope you enjoyed our first episode of Air Check, Season 1. And I'm Paul Kelly. You can stream or
2: download every episode of Air Check on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you
0: listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe and uh, give
2: us a great rating, too.
0: Yeah, that would be nice. So, still to come on Season 1 of Air Check, original MTV VJ, Nina Blackwood. From Sirius XM Radio, Keith Roth, Nationally Syndicated Air Personality, and WYSP Philadelphia alum, Cousin Ed, Neil Mursky, coordinating producer for MTV, and also from WYSP. From VH1's That Metal Show and Sirius XM Radio, it's Eddie Trunk and a special two-parter with Danny Bonaducci. He's got some stories to tell. Yeah, he does. Hey, we'll talk to you soon. See ya.
1: Thanks for sitting in for this air check. Back at you with more tales from the tuner soon questions, comments, or to be on an upcoming episode, email aircheckme at gmail.com. Musical props to Chris Gordon. Announcer props, yours truly, Greg O'Brien, the OB. Aircheck is the creation of RDPK Productions.